Hey y'all, Layla here. We don't have a regular episode for you this month of May, but we are bringing you the live show that we did back in April for our annual spring pledge drive on Patreon. The pledge drive is over, but you can pledge anytime. Uh, just visit ladyscience.com donate and click pledge now. Uh, if you missed the opportunity to be part of the live show or you listen to this and you like it, uh, be sure you let us know. Uh, tweet us at, at LadyXScience or leave us a review on Apple Podcasts and let us know that you want us to do another one and uh, we'll do one in the future. Hope you enjoy. stream we've already done this because i thought we were live and we weren't so <laughs> welcome to the inside of our homes yes where yes. all the lady science magic happens um <laughs> but we're really happy to be doing this and we're really excited um and uh to introduce ourselves i'm layla mcneil i am one of the co-founders and co-editor-in-chief of lady science I'm Anna Reeser. I'm the other co-founder and co-editor-in-chief of Lady Science. Uh, and I am Rebecca Ortenberg, uh, Lady Science's managing editor. And Yay. as promised, we will be talking about the bonkers things that um, men have said about women's bodies throughout history. And historians don't like when we say this, but from the beginning of time. <laughs> <laughs> the dawn of time. Cis men have ceaselessly investigated the mystery of women's bodies instead of maybe asking women about what's going on in there or just looking at one. Um, <laughs> so each of us has picked a weird thing um, that we're going to talk about. And then after that, we're going to do a Q&A. Um, we will, this is part of a fundraiser, so we will certainly be asking you for your money at some point. Um, so if you but do we're not going to tell you when. We're not going to tell you when. It's going to be a surprise. <laughs> it's like when you're listening to This American Life and suddenly they're trying to get you at your local NPR station is telling you to give yeah. them money. And that but way it's you us. don't know so, when to yeah. leave and like, yeah. leave the live stream. Yeah. Um, but if you do have questions for us that you want us to answer during the Q&A, you can ask us about the fundraiser, you know, transparency about how we spend our money. Um, you can ask us about us. Um, you know, if it's too personal, we just will not answer you. Um, <laughs> you can ask us about lady science more generally, whatever. Um, and you can go ahead and drop those into the YouTube chat box in the right-hand corner of YouTube. Um, and then after that, uh, we'll end the show with a game of Balderdash. I'm going to be running that for uh, you guys. And you all have to decide if the factoid that I give you is Balderdash or if it's true. Um, and if you want to tweet about the show during the live stream and rub it in everyone else's faces that they're not here, um, you can use the hashtag, hashtag LadySciPodLive. Um, so we're going to get started. Rebecca is going to let us, uh, it's going to tell us, uh, about some bonkers Evo psych shit from something that sounds like it would have been <laughs> said a long time ago, but was actually said in recent memories. <laughs> so, yep. Go ahead, Rebecca. <laughs> 
Yeah. Uh, starting us off with some fairly contemporary bullshit, uh, which that's fun. Um, so this, so uh, the things that we are talking about today were uh, submitted by our readers and listeners, and this one was submitted to us by Holly Dunsworth, who, along with being a lady science listener, is a professor of anthropology. Um, so I have to say thank you, Holly, for reminding us that this kind of stupidity continues to the present day, because uh, we always got to remember, people were not just stupid in the past, people are stupid now. Um, <laughs> and will be in the future. And it will be in the future. <laughs> anyway, so 2014, uh, there was a study published in the journal The Archives of Sexual Behavior, and the study had this title. Evidence suggests that women's sexual behavior is influenced by hip width rather than hip to waist ratio. At this point, warning bells should be going off in your head because uh, they were certainly in mine. Um, but... Before we get too judgy, you know, I try to give people benefit of the doubt. It often lands me in a terrible place, but nice. let's see what this study was actually about. <laughs> They're laughing because they know that I'm the one who's like, no, we should be nice to this person. And then it turns out that we shouldn't have been nice to this person. Um, <laughs> You're too nice. Uh, so the authors of the study um, surveyed 148 women between the ages of 18 and 26 about their sexual habits. Uh, so they found, and then they also measured these women's uh, hips um, and their waists. And they found that women who reported having more sexual partners and who took part in more, quote, one-night stands, which, by the way, they actually use that phrase in this journal article, <laughs> um, they were more likely to have wider hips if they had had more sexual partners and more one-night stands. They also found that the hip-to-waist ratio of the women had no relation to the number of sexual partners they had had. Um, and this supposedly refutes an earlier weird evo-psych theory that women with a higher hip-to-waist ratio have more sex because they're considered more attractive. I have a lot of questions about that. Like, the fact that they were, like, starting from there, I have so many questions. <laughs> Basically, the idea is, well, since the dawn of time, men have preferred women with hourglass figures, which I feel like is refutable on about 500 levels. But anyway, so they were like, no, 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 we're proving it has nothing to do with having an hourglass figure. It just has to do with the hip width. Um, and you know what? Frankly, I don't care that much if, like, I, I will believe them. I will take them at their word that in this group of women... Most of the women with larger hips had had more sexual partners. You know what? I don't care. That's fine. Um, but you do it's you when white they start women. I, you know what? I I can't. I have no problem with that. And you know, maybe that's true. But as always, it's when they start to interpret the data that things go way off the rails. Um, so the paper starts with an analysis of what's called the obstetrical dilemma. Um, basically, the idea is that when humans started walking upright, because of how their pelvises changed to be able to walk upright, um, it made it more difficult to give birth than other mammals. Um, and this has, I guess, led to the popular idea that certainly I have heard in my life, and I'm sure many of you have, that if a woman has wider hips, childbirth is easier. Uh, you know, we've. I feel like I was hearing jokes about that 
way younger than I should have. It's one of those weird things where looking back, you were like, why were people joking about this when I was like seven? Um, but yeah. Uh, so the theory put forth in this paper then is that this correlation between hip width and number of sexual partners is because large-hipped women are more comfortable being sexually promiscuous. And that, again, this is where we get fun evo-psych bullshit, is because they subconsciously know that childbirth will be less dangerous, and therefore they are more comfortable seeking out and consenting to sex. <laughs> and this is this is what what they what these guys decided um and i should i you know it's actually this paper was written by or at least the author listed on this paper were one man and two women so you know women have also perpetuated a lot of weird crap uh in the sciences to this day um but this just seems like such a classic case of first of all correlation does not equal causation yeah um these so many pre-existing ideas about how women operate, how human beings operate, then being placed on data in this, like, very, very obvious, weird way. Yeah. Um, for the record, uh, it's also not clear, uh, you know, uh, physiologically, if at least the way that they measured women's hips has anything to do with the size of the birth canal. So uh, <laughs> they were even just like taking data. So so they measured from, and I wrote down the name of it because I knew I was going to forget this. Um, they measured between the um, eyelac crests, which are basically, oh, yeah. if you like, the pointy <laughs> bits. It's the pointy bits uh, on your hips. You all know what I'm talking about. Yeah. Um, and so they measured, like, the, the width between those. That has no relation to the size of the birth canal. Um, so they just made that up. Cool. Uh, yeah. What gets me about this one is that, like, it pointed out one-night stands specifically. Not, like, how much sex you have with, like, a single mm -hmm. partner. But, like, how much sex you have with many partners. Like, yeah, that that seems like such a, uh, a slut-shamey type of thing to pull out for this study. Like, yeah. Yeah. Like, it's, if, if there really was some kind of, like, subconscious biological, like, imperative to uh or like feeling that oh i can have more sex because childbirth will be easier the number of people you had sex with would have nothing to do with that right <laughs> well yeah. we all know that promiscuous <laughs> women are just trying to get pregnant that's why right. they have so many one night stands that's what? the aim yeah. right <laughs> right right or that or are we like i don't know yeah we're we're deciding that that if that there's also some kind of subconscious thing that we're all just uh, not even noticing that says that women who are having a lot of sex with one partner are also safer and therefore more comfortable. That seems to be a whole yeah. thing in this, like, embedded in this. Yeah, it's got so also, many things. This idea of, like, that women subconsciously know something, you can say that about anything, and it doesn't have to, it doesn't have anything to do with the data they collected. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, I yeah, mean, it's exactly. just this, like, continued idea that women's, like, bodies and their sexual drives and desires 
and their reproductive organs or, or whatever are just like this mysterious thing that just, we just can't fucking figure out, you know, like, so if we can't figure it out, then it must be subconscious. And it, <laughs> yeah. And it must be biological too. And it must yeah, be a, sure. an evolutionary thing that, that yeah. has like a, an explanation that we can divine this way, even though it's ludicrous to try to. To infer a subconscious thing that you have not observed from some observations you made that also don't have anything to do with what you're saying. Yeah. Like, yep. Well, and I'm assuming that this data also relied on, like, self-reporting. Yeah, of, exactly. Yeah, of, yeah. You know, and that's not always going to be mm-hmm. 100% true. Um, yeah. Especially if you do have social pressures that does slut shame women and stuff like that so is there some downplaying of the one night stands or having sex outside of monogamous relationships with one partner so i mean there's there's a lot of like stuff that also goes into the data itself that brought on by like culture and social expectations that might you know influence self-reporting on the part of the women that make up the data set so, yeah. but I think and, one thing also that like you wrote down here, Rebecca, is that the authors like weirdly like tied this into C-sections. Yes. And that women get C-sections if they have smaller hips because the baby can't fit through the hips, which again has nothing to do with the actual like birth canal. <laughs> Right, right. And and is not the main reason that, like, either women have had traumatic births or have had C-sections or have had other kinds of necessary interventions either now or historically. Uh, it's, it's something, like, it hap- it's not like it never happens. Um, the we, re- uh, we originally found out about this, again, Holly Dunsworth uh, had shared this with us, and she had been interviewed for an article about this study in live science and uh she and a couple of other people interviewed for it um note that like while yes that does happen that is a reason why uh people have c-sections when they're giving birth but it's not even the main reason it's not the reason yeah yeah exactly exactly yeah well and i think that also uh a lot of these types of studies that deal specifically like with women's sexual habits or sexual behaviors or sexual lifestyle that they do like slip this in under the uh, um, the guise of like women's empowerment. Yeah. You know, and yep. I think that's really problematic <laughs> as well. Um, yeah. That, you know, this could be spun as like a sex positive type of finding or something along those lines but you know at the end of the day we're still just like pushing this idea of like women's drive what sexual drive is like geared towards maternity and being mothers <laughs> like you know what i mean don't worry women you evolved to be sluts it's okay <laughs> <laughs> yep yep and, and as part of that, so they literally spell this out. Part of the study is they say, well, this previous idea about hip to waist ratio is sexist because it's saying that what men find attractive is central to women's sexual behavior. And we are making it not sexist by saying that it's about just hip width 
width is a hard word to say. Hip width. Uh, and <laughs> um, and therefore, it's about, like, women's drive and not about, like, male wishes about. And they're like, yeah, and that means that it's all women are in the driver's seat. Isn't that cool? <laughs> I just want to note that I hate evolutionary psychology, just generally speaking, and that it all is pretty bullshit. And I just, I don't, I've never really understood the even like the point of that, of the field of evolutionary psychology. Like, what are we hoping to get out of identify? I mean, we're historians. How can we, how can we be on board with trying to interpret human behavior this way? Yeah. I mean, but I just I don't understand it, the point. Yeah, I, I think part of it is that well, we can do the thing that historians are doing, but make it more sciency. I think that there's it's a little no, bit of can't. that in it. I know exactly. that history yeah. envy. History. Yeah. Oh, that's never a term we're ever gonna hear in a serious context. <laughs> there's no. No one's jealous of historians. Nobody. No. <laughs> That's true. You're right. Before before we go on, I I do have to give a plug for our last podcast episode for anyone who hasn't listened to it. If you want to hear us yell even more about Evo Psych and weird ideas about women's sexual behavior, we had a whole podcast episode about it. And we uh, went on a tangent about Jordan Peterson eating nothing but meat in that context. Yeah, we did. So... <laughs> I really refrained myself from mentioning him while we were talking about Evo Psych just a second ago, but I had to do it now. Yeah, I I set you up for that, so, you know. You did, you did. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, well, we of course couldn't uh, do an episode on this topic without talking about the Victorians. <laughs> our, our favorite My class guys. of, of middle-class white men of the 19th century. <laughs> And um, so during the 19th century in Europe and the United States, um, well, I guess, were we the United States? Jesus Christ, were we the United States? <laughs> yes. In the Victorian period? <laughs> yes. Yes, Layla. Layla! I'm a historian. <laughs> <laughs> do, 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 do. <laughs> oh, my goodness. <laughs> So in the United States and uh, Europe, most medical men, um, they believed that the uterus was the thing that controlled everything about the women. Um, but you had some profiles in Courage who <laughs> believed that it was the ovaries mm, that did that. Well then. They, they moved a, a couple inches or yeah. something, you know. <laughs> <laughs> Um, and there was one man, his name was Dr. G.L. Austin, who wrote an 1883 advice book for the, quote, maiden wife and mother, which, as we've discussed on this podcast before, the only three types of women there are. <laughs> um, he wrote that, quote, the ovaries give women all her characteristics of mind and body, uh, end quote. And you all will have to forgive me for reading this somewhat long passage from Dr. W.W. Bliss <laughs> because it's just, it's so hyperbolic and it's so over the top and like really encapsulates what 
the Victorians were doing over there. Um, quote, accepting then these views of the gigantic power and influence of the ovaries over the whole animal economy of women, that they are powerful agents in the commotions of her system. That Wait, on- Layla. Infinite cosmic power. Itty bitty looking. <laughs> Okay, sorry. (laughs) (laughs) And that on these ovaries rests her intellectual standing in society, her physical perfection, and all that lends beauty to those great, noble, all that is great and noble and beautiful, and all that is voluptuous. And tender and endearing. I can't believe people go to horny jail. I can't believe people talk this way. (laughs) Get out of here. That her fidelity, her devotedness, her perpetual vigilance, perpetual vigilance, (laughs) forecast, and all those qualities of mind and disposition which inspire and uh, and love and fit her as the safest counselor and friend of man spring from the ovaries. What must be their influence and power over the great vocation of woman? and the august purposes of her existence when these organs have become compromised through disease. This was one sentence. (laughs) So these these men who, uh, these brave men who thought the ovaries controlled the woman instead of the uterus, um, her entire- They're not in the pocket of big uterus, these guys. (laughs) (laughs) They're not cheap. (laughs) Um, And yeah, I mean, the- uh, the ovaries needed to be regulated as big pharma does. So um, <laughs> the woman's entire personality was controlled by the ovaries, as was all other physical ailments. So this included like issues with the stomach, the liver, the lungs, the heart. Everything was something wrong with the ovaries. Even uh, like contractable diseases like tuberculosis. So like, <laughs> and that was different for men. So it was understood that men got tuberculosis from like, contracting it or from like a social situation or environmental situation whereas for women it came from her ovaries um <laughs> so there's a manberculosis <laughs> <laughs> wow <laughs> um and so this naturally led to well like so how do we cure all of these different ailments when they go wrong with women so oh, it could no. be like a physical ailment like something wrong with your stomach Um, tuberculosis or it could be our old friend hysteria um, women who just like deviated from the accepted social norms of the time Um, sometimes husbands would bring their their wives in and be like my wife needs to have her ovaries removed she's insane Um, (laughs) and they would doctors would remove the ovaries to cure this wide variety of ailments and um, the thought was that that would cure whatever ailed her. And if it was an issue of her not wanting to perform, you know, wifely duties, like domestic duties or stuff like that, once her ovaries were removed, that she would return to domestic bliss and be calmed and just once again take up her mantle as wife and mother and the domestic goddess and resume that life. So... Uh, the psychology of the ovaries was a 19th century thing, which I'm sure if we looked hard enough, we'd find some shit from like 2020. Um, (laughs) (laughs) 
But yeah, so I'm the, sure you can find that on Reddit right now. Oh, probably, absolutely, oh, yeah. So most of that stuff came from for her own good. The book, um, a classic uh, for this type <laughs> of stuff. Um, but yeah, we could not escape this podcast episode without talking about the Victorians. <laughs> so if you take out the ovaries, do all does all the voluptuousness and um, delicate contours say. and stuff? Did the, <laughs> does that go away? Like what happens? So I think we what we need to understand is that this isn't like some sort of like good science. <laughs> so, <laughs> so. It doesn't have to make sense, Anna. <laughs> um, I see. Not not something that's some sort of something like existentially consistent uh, or anything yeah. like that. Yeah. It's just I, I do I do enjoy that it's not even internally consistent here. Yes. Like, it's, Can we talk about seemed... perpetual vigilance? Sorry, I didn't mean to run you over with that. I just, yeah. No, there's a lot. I mean, have? we could probably spend a whole podcast episode unpacking this really long sentence that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Could spend a whole episode diagramming it. <laughs> Man, I, I, when I was in school, I loved diagramming sentences of course that's another did. thing so oh did i oh no yeah nerds <laughs> and someone just typed into the chat i'm deaf part of big uterus yes <laughs> yeah i'm firmly in the excellent also uterus. you guys if you want to like just dump whatever the hell you want to in the live chat while we're doing this please do that yeah that, that you can sense. you can also leave absurd commentary uh for us i will read them <laughs> um so you we joked earlier about oh we could probably find something like this in 2020 but like in some ways the the contemporary popular vestige of this is oh she's hormonal because she's on her period like it's it's the same that's that's the same sea that folks are swimming in um no i'm hormonal all the time okay (laughs) And so are you, man, because you're a human being who needs hormones to survive. I don't know. Yeah. 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 Um, man, what was I? Oh, fuck, I was going to say something. Anyway, go on. That was all I was going to say was just like, you know, this this stuff comes back in different forms. But especially one of the reasons we harp on the Victorians so much is that they just leave because so much groundwork. Because they wrote it all down. For... That's the thing. <laughs> and I guess they wrote it all down. <laughs> they wrote it all down. They would write it once in their like personal notes, and then in letters to their friends, and then they would publish it. So we have yeah. it in like three different places. They yep. really wanted yep. us yeah. to know. <laughs> and when they wrote it to letters to their friends, they wrote it like four times so their penmanship looked right. I mean, like I'm. <laughs> I'm a little bit joking, but I'm not. This is why there are multiple copies of the same letter. Yeah, exactly. Well, and they had to have, like, we didn't have, like, carbon copies and stuff. Right. So, like, they had to make their own copy of their letter that they were going to send. So we have it in multiple places. Exactly. Exactly. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And we did say at some point in previous episodes that we're all just suffering from some, like, 19th century Victorian hangover when it comes to sex <laughs> and medicine. So here we are. Again. And, you know, most things. <laughs> and most things. Economics. 
the climate. We cannot get rid of Adam Smith. <laughs> I mean, I don't know. Adam, Adam Smith, Smith was pretty into the was not even as bad as. Yeah. <laughs> I think there's a gnat in my beer. <laughs> yep. Oh, no. I am. I got it. I'm gonna drink. As it. my dad would say, he won't drink much. <laughs> On that note, it's my turn. <laughs> uh, yeah, we're gonna we're gonna stay with the Victorians for this one. Um, I picked this as my thing to talk about because it's metal as fuck. <laughs> um, so uh, there there was a very persistent belief. This actually stems from antiquity. Um, but the Victorians just really have a way of spicing things up, don't they? Um, about suppressed menstruation, that if for some reason you didn't have your period, or it was late, or it was irregular in some way, that your menstrual blood would build up inside your body and do terrible things to you. Um, there are all kinds of reasons why you might miss your period, like poor nutrition, or you're pregnant, or... Um, I guess that is your men- your menstruation building up and you turn into a baby. Gross. <laughs> All right. <laughs> so we carry on our tradition of just like letting these guys tell you exactly what they think I would like to introduce you to the diseases of females, colon, including those of pregnancy and childbirth by Fleetwood Churchill. Excellent name. Okay, these are Super all good. the names of men that we should definitely take advice from. <laughs> yes. Dr. Bliss, Dr. Churchill. Fleetwood Churchill. Fleetwood, sorry, Dr. Fleetwood That is some A-plus Victorian weirdness names. I think it's excellent. Yeah. I'm going to name my kids Fleetwood and Churchill. <laughs> Not my kids. All right. Um, so I'll just, I'll read a little bit of, of, Dr. Churchill's thoughts on what happens when your menstruation is suppressed. Quote, in many cases, especially of suppressed menstruation, where the system generally is suffering from irregular distribution of blood, an attempt is made by the natural powers to afford relief by a discharge of blood from some other part, generally one which is already enfeebled. Uh, so that means if you don't have your period, it will come out <laughs> somewhere else <laughs> because of the natural powers. <laughs> uh, so the places it could come out uh, include nostrils, eyes, ears, gums, lungs, stomach, arms, bladder, nipples, the ends of the fingers and toes. Just imagine blood like shooting out of your fingers like super soakers. Fucking metal. Um, from Finger different guns. joints. And of course, pew, pew, from the surface pew, of pew. the skin generally. Could just kind of ooze out of sure. there. Sure. I guess. Um, I If your lungs are bleeding, <laughs> you need to go to the hospital. But not one of these hospitals. Of this time. <laughs> yeah. No. <laughs> Definitely not. They'll just remove your uterus or something. I love this idea of, like, from different joints as though, like, <laughs> as though there's, like, a seam here. 
<laughs> just open up and start oozing a little bit. <laughs> yeah. Um. So, <laughs> um. Lest you think this is just this guy's idea, the this section of the book has a lot of citations oh, where okay. he's referring you to other oh, other goody. medical writers who have who have <laughs> observed this phenomenon. Um. This is not just his own idea here. And one of the case studies that he described is one in which a woman missed her period and then blood began pouring out of her ears and she began vomiting blood and none of her blood coagulated or clotted. <laughs> um, and the citation says that ounces of blood came out of this girl's ears. And again, if this is happening to you, and you are throwing up blood and it is pouring out of your ears, you need to go to the hospital. That is not period blood. <laughs> no. <laughs> it's not menstrual blood. That is very different blood. That is a that is a entirely separate issue that <laughs> should you, be looked you are into. A serious medical episode and you need to be taken care of. <laughs> yep. Yep. Um <laughs> anyway. So, <laughs> lot to take in um so there, there's a couple of case studies in the footnotes indiana jones and raiders of the lost art style mm-hmm. that's basically what it describes yeah again, again there are other issues happening uh when someone is bleeding from all your orifices it turns out if you're bleeding from your ears that could be your brain you the hospital it's not your uterus i promise <laughs> So, like, of course, this is all tied to the idea that menstrual blood is is itself a bad thing. Right. Um, that's yeah. why it, it is forcefully expelled from whatever part of your body it has access to <laughs> once a month um, because it's bad. And if it builds up in your body, all kinds of really bad things will start to happen. Um, and I think this just ties into um, all... Lots of things that we've talked about on, like, previous iterations of this kind of episode we're doing. Just about there's bad stuff in there. (laughs) And it's doing bad things. And parts of it are roaming around. And your uterus is making poison for you every month. And if you don't (laughs) get rid of it, you'll die. Um, And obviously, you know, the the Victorians, they love that shit. (laughs) They're just, like, combing all the translated text from antiquity, being like, oh, yeah, this is the stuff. I'm going to scienceify this, and I'm going to get a publication for the Royal Society. Hell, yeah. Or whatever. (laughs) I also, like, seeing as how, like, you started your section with saying this is metal as fuck, Bleeding Nipples Uh. as a metal band name? (laughs) Pretty good. I did not know where that sentence was going, Layla, and I am delighted. <laughs> I will say, like, if your nipples bleed as, like, a woman, you need to go to the doctor. And <laughs> Yes. And, or, Again. unless you're running on a cold day. That can happen. And they make, like, special, like, like lubricant to, like, put... It looks like deodorant, but you put it on your nipples. And it keeps it from rubbing till it bleeds. Um, 
There was, I used to do triathlons a long time ago before I just became a trash witch. Um, (laughs) And, uh, you know, after the open water swims early in the morning when it was cold, like by the end of the triathlon, there were lots of men and women with bleeding nipples coming out of their running shirts. Just so you know, that is not a woman problem. And that was mostly men, to be honest with you. <laughs> yep. Um, so, to to bring it all back, as I am famous for doing. Um, sorry, I really went off there. No. About I am glad you share your disgusting story uh, about running because. I didn't. I didn't get bleeding nipples. Because you prepared. I prepared. <laughs> I knew it could happen and I prepared. That'll be the best out of context quote from this. Oh man! I did not get bleeding nipples. You hear me? <laughs> I also do appreciate a favorite pregnancy factoid: pregnant women actually have twenty to a hundred percent more blood volume in their bodies, and the average is about forty-five percent. Uh, I mean, That's I guess you have blood. another like alien growing in you. <laughs> Yeah, this is Kristen Everett bringing the goods in the the, the live chat right now. Thank you, Kristen. (laughs) Though I have two men in here saying that they have had bleeding nipples. Yeah, so thank you for (laughs) reading. But speak, I will say, speaking of like weird stuff that happens to women after they've given birth, like, so. Often, historically, if women are nursing, they did not have their periods. Also, often, both historically and contemporaneously, women end up with very, like, unhappy nipples when they are breastfeeding. And so I do feel like there is a thing where, like, I can see some stupid-ass Victorian doctor being like, well, you haven't had your period, and and your nipples are bleeding, and these things are connected clearly. And... (laughs) And it's like, yeah, and they kind of like, no, my baby but... is biting my boobs. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. He's very strong. <laughs> he has the bite like an alligator. <laughs> All right. Anyway. So we've got some honorable mentions. Oh, I had yes. one more thing on mine. Okay. Oh, d- oh, I'm sorry. Do it. Jeez. I interrupted us about bleeding nipples. Go on. Yeah, you really, you just derailed my whole segment. No, actually, it's fine. Let's move on, because we, we spent a lot of time on that. <laughs> Sorry, that's my... So, in a regular episode, I edit them before we publish them. <laughs> Thank God. If we didn't. <laughs> it would be clown shit wall-to-wall for, like, five hours. And Rebecca constantly has to say... All right, so bring it back. <laughs> bring it in. Um, it's, it's my classic line. So we do have some honorable mentions that were sent in by people um, that we didn't choose to, we didn't have time to go into like we just did. Um, so the first one that we have for honorable mention has been submitted by Robert Davis. Um, and he said that Plato said women had hungry animals in their wombs. If the animal wasn't fed with a baby, it would get angry and wander all over their body and block their breathing. Um, And that comes from Plato's Timaeus. um, And he says that, you know, they do in the mothering places, they have, quote, an animal within them eager for conception, which whenever it goes without issue for a long time beyond its proper season, 
blocks the outlets for air and prevents respiration, causing extreme helplessness and bringing on all sorts of other diseases. Um, the mothering places. The mothering places <laughs> yep. is an excellent black metal band name. Yes, <laughs> it's so good. I have to. Do y'all, can y'all? Can any of y'all play an instrument? Can we start a band or no? No. Okay. Uh, no, no. <laughs> um, and then we've got know. Hippocrates, um, these fathers Hold of modern West, of Western thought here, bringing the goods. Um, it wouldn't it wouldn't be one of these if we didn't also rag on Plato and Hippocrates. Let's be real. No. Yeah. Um, so he said in uh, from his, the the writing Hysteria and Virgins. <laughs> That if a woman stays a virgin for too long, then her menstrual blood won't come out and it will get backed up into her heart and lungs, making her go insane. This was also submitted by Robert Davis, which I guess by the 19th century, we were bleeding out of our orifices. I guess we had evolved to release the blood through other orifices. <laughs> Thank goodness. <laughs> we're doing so much better now. We're not going insane because of bleeding out of our nipples. Yeah. Um, yeah. And so the quote from this is, quote, virgins who do not take a husband at the appropriate time for marriage experiences these visions more frequently, especially at that time of their first monthly period. Although previously they had had no such bad dreams of this sort. Um, and then it goes talking about how the blood pools and the lungs and the heart become sluggish. We get numb and dumb and insanity, blah, blah, blah. Um, <laughs> oh, I almost said something wildly inappropriate. Oh. Okay, go on. I can't edit this one. <laughs> I know. <laughs> That's why I caught myself. <laughs> and the excuse for it came out. You know, like back to menstrual blood, but the bad thing didn't. So <laughs> okay, that's, that's good. good. We're good. And then the last honorable mention we have from comes from Chloe Rose Crabtree. Um, since women's vaginas are just literally inverted penises, their vaginas could fall out and turn into actual penises during physical labor, and then they would just be men. Um, so this would happen. This unsexing would happen during things like hard labor, working in the fields, things like that. Um, so, like, I guess it would just, like, go, and then we'd have a, I don't know. Um, but, yeah, this was how a woman would unsex herself and, like, literally just become a man. Again, if you have a vaginal prolapse, you could go to the hospital. <laughs> you don't then just become a man. You have to go to the doctor. <laughs> But not these doctors. Again, yeah, again. again. Yeah. Do not time travel <laughs> to the past to see a doctor. You yep. think you were born in the wrong century and you wish you'd grown up in the Middle Ages or whatever? No, you don't. You really don't. You really, really don't. <laughs> yeah, no. Um, so this is the part of the show where we do ask for your money. Don't turn yes. off. Keep going. We have more fun bullshit after this part. <laughs> And if you want to ask us questions, you want us to do the Q&A, um, go ahead and start dumping those into the, the chat and we'll get to those in like a minute. It's not going to take, we're not going to ask for your money for the rest of the show. Um, <laughs> so every spring we do do a pledge drive on Patreon and the pledge drive is basically our bread and butter for the rest of the year. Um, it's what keeps us going. It, it's what allows us to pay writers and editors and all of those like noodly monthly expenses to like keep a website up and like do the podcast and things like that so um 
and it's it's really uh, we do once in a while do a one time donation fundraiser in the spring, but the the Patreon the monthly pledges it allows us and Anna is our like we don't use these terms at all our CFO. <laughs> <laughs> no Basically. we don't actually say stuff like that to each other um but she's the one like who sets our sets our financial budget for the year and we're able to do that if we can see that we have some sort of stability and sustainability on patreon yeah so the um patreon is basically our entire operating budget we have um you know, we ha- we get some one-time donations and we do some sponsorship type of things, um, but we don't run ads and we don't paywall anything. And so um, what you see on the Patreon total is basically the, the money we have to work with at any given time. And so we set a really ambitious goal for this one, which we know it's a weird time, <laughs> uh, but um, the aim with that is we really want to get our rates for writers into a more competitive um kind of echelon i guess we uh we started out not paying anybody (laughs) um and uh, now we pay 150 dollars uh per piece which is pretty remarkable we we did that all through fundraising um and we've been able to like consistently every year raise our rates and so that's always going to be our biggest goal is being able to pay writers more because their work is so excellent. Um, and we really believe in like paying writers what they're worth, um, especially in the kind of like really, frankly, really shitty landscape for media right now. It's important to us that we are able to do that um, as well as we can for as long as we can. That's the big thing. I also want to make sure that everybody who works for Lady Science gets a fair kind of compensation so we want to raise rates for editors um that's super important to me because everybody works incredibly hard to make all of this happen um you know we have amazing writers but we also have really excellent editors um our, we have you know we have to have our social media editor who is amazing uh rebecca is our managing editor and we would not get anything done without her so i want to make sure that everybody is getting is getting compensated fairly for that because that's a lot of work uh, to put this kind of thing together. So our goal is $2,600 a month on Patreon, and that's going to put us in like a really, really good spot. We'll be able to raise our rates. Um, prob- we'll be able to raise our rates probably by, I think it says $200 on the Patreon right now, but I think we can, if we had $2,600, I think we can raise it even more. So there's a real opportunity here for us to make a difference for our writers and our editors, um, and we need your help to do it um yeah oh and i was well i was also just gonna say you know i said that our our total budget is what you see on patreon um most of that goes to writing and editing the rest of it uh goes just directly into like overhead and stuff it's you know the hosting on the website um paying for transcriptions for the podcast sometimes we have to buy microphones because we buy one kind of microphone and then they all blow up at the same time we have to buy new ones (laughs) You know, things like that that are regular business stuff, but, like, all the money goes into lady science. Um, and, uh, yeah, that's 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 it. We have a really low overhead. So the more money we get, the more money we can spend on writers. 
so hopefully some of that inspire you guys if you are not already a patron to uh, become one. And uh, lucky for those of you who would like to now become one, it is pretty easy. Um, if you go to patreon.com slash ladyscience, um, you will get sent to a page that will then let you select a membership level. And if you happen to be someone who's totally new to Patreon, um, you'll be asked to set up an account at that point, but that just takes a second. Uh, and then from there, you'll be sent to confirm your payment details. Um, and at that point, so when you, um, when you go to uh, the, our Patreon page, um, you'll have some membership level choices. If you don't like any of those choices and you want to give like $7 a month or $12 a month and you don't like our nice round $5, 10 $20 uh, <laughs> a month amounts there, uh, once you go in to confirm your payment details, you can also change however much you want to give per month um, and adjust that in there uh, for, for people who are feeling ornery. Um, and, uh, you will also see at that point, uh, and this is a new thing that's pretty cool, which, um, you have now the option to pay annually instead of monthly, uh, and so then you would, uh, essentially pay the whole year's worth at once when you sign up, and then at the same time each year. The really cool thing about that is that when you pledge annually, you get a 10% discount, uh, that's awesome for you. And pledging annually is also awesome for us because that gives us even more information about what our budget will look like for the entire year. Um, because for often understandable reasons, people will change their pledges partway through the year and then that will sometimes throw off our budget and we'll have to go on social media and beg for money again. Um, but if we know <laughs> that someone has already given their annual amount all at once, uh, then that lets us not have to worry about adjustments like those, which is nice. All right. Well, enough of that. Go give us money. Uh, <laughs> please? Please. Um, we will spend it on good stuff. <laughs> All right. Before we do this Q&A, I have to get another drink. Okay. Go do that. Cool. Go, okay. I'll be, I'll be listening. I'll be right back. Okay. We don't have any questions yet. So does anyone want to ask me anything? <laughs> <laughs> people people have to, to ask things. Um. While we're waiting, I, I will also tell folks, because, I don't know, I have feelings about this. Uh, Anna and Layla also work insanely hard, and uh, for a long time, they did not pay themselves through our Lady Science budget. Uh, it was quite a while when all the money was going to me and other editors and our writers, and they were not taking any kind of stipend. Uh, we now make enough that they feel comfortable also taking money for themselves, which is good because they work so freaking hard. Uh, so yay for them. Um, and yeah. Aw, thanks. <laughs> I had to say nice things about you guys. See, the thing is I've, I've tricked Rebecca into thinking that I work hard because we work remotely through Slack. <laughs> so... I just really, get in the Slack and be like, oh, I'm doing all this stuff. I'm doing stuff. And I'm really just sitting there, like, watching TV, eating, like, jalapeno potato chips. <laughs> I don't believe... I mean, I believe snacks. that you're sitting there um, watching TV, eating jalapeno potato chips, but I also <laughs> believe that you are simultaneously having 20 conversations with people about fancy lady science things. Um... <laughs> 
and <laughs> editing stuff and yelling at Squarespace to make the website work. So yeah, and sometimes and in I'm Anna's case, yelling about like stuff. finances. Yeah, I can't believe you used the word CFO to describe me. <laughs> I, I didn't know what else to say. I don't know how to do math. <laughs> it's, it's awful. Well, I, the rest you of know, us continue I get paid every month, so I'm assuming it's going okay over there. <laughs> I, yeah, I can manage PayPal. <laughs> uh, all right. If okay, I don't. I'm not seeing any questions, which means no one's interested. <laughs> <laughs> We're just, we're, we just explain, we, we just, like, lay out so much nipples. of ourselves. <laughs> um, yeah, then let's go ahead and move on to our last little bit here. Last little bit. I mean, this is probably going to I'm going to be so bad at this, I'm not going to be able to figure it out. Yeah, so we're going to play. I just have already I am know. very excited. <laughs> we're going to play a game of Balderdash, and uh, me and our social media editor, KJ, came up with this game. Um, so some of the things I'm going to say are true, and some of the things that I'm going to say are made up. Oh, favorite Ooh. lady under... Du- okay, we've got a question. Oh. oh everybody stop. Hold <laughs> Everybody stop. Favorite oh, lady underdog scientist. Hmm. Um, so one, I will say one uh, woman scientist that I like to talk up a lot. Um, not because she was, she was very successful, but it's not thought of as a scientist, and I think she should be, and that is Madam C.J. Walker. Um, who was born Sarah Breedlove, um, certainly an underdog in the sense that, that she grew up uh, desperately poor in the South um, in the mid-19th century uh, as a black woman, and started uh, and did, did other women's hair, um, was able to, through experimenting in her kitchen, uh, develop um, hair products for black women, uh, especially to help combat alopecia, um, which she herself suffered from. And she went on to then start a company uh, that, and she became nearly a millionaire by the time she died. Uh, and was one, became part of sort of New York high society. She had a giant fuck you house in the Hudson Valley. <laughs> Like she lived next, she built her house next door to the Rockefellers, and you can't tell me that that wasn't a little bit of That's a fuck iconic. you. Yeah. Um, like literally, her next door neighbor was the, were the Rockefellers, um, and uh, was an, was a really great businesswoman. But and I think that she is often seen in that category, and also was an activist. She gave tons of money to the early the you know NAACP and um, and to to a lot of uh, social justice causes but i think that in some ways she was also a chemist in this way that many women were and are even if they don't categorize themselves that way yeah yeah well since uh rebecca opened the door for the annoying historian answer of like i see your question and i'm going to answer it (laughs) a different way (laughs) uh (laughs) I will say that my favorite lady underdog scientists are all of the secretaries and clerical workers who worked at NASA in the 1960s. 
Um, because I think we often think of, like Rebecca said, we think of them in one way and not not as scientists, but a lot of them learned a lot about space science to do their jobs. They had um, top secret security clearances, and they managed all of the like the information flow of the agency, and that's like that's a huge job. And they worked at NASA, so they were space workers there, you know. Those are my favorite, and that's an annoying historian answer, I think. <laughs> so one of my favorites, who I don't really know if she's an underdog anymore, but I just really like this story, and this gives me a, a chance to talk about it to other people, um, <laughs> uh, is uh, Madame Lavoisier, who was a chemist, and she helped her husband, Antoine Lavoisier, whatever. This is the part I want to tell about her life. So she, uh, her husband, the first, uh, Lavoisier, got uh, killed during the French Revolution, during the Reign of Terror. Um, and then she remarried another dude who, uh, like, when they were courting or whatever, thought that she was intelligent and loved that she was interested in science and whatever. But then when they got married, like, just was not interested in that part of her anymore. And um, not only was she, like, interested in science and very good at being a chemist um she also like played the role of like an aristocrat's wife of like hosting parties and all of that thing that goes along with the powdered wig and whatnot and so she wanted to have a party her husband closed like locked the gates so her guests could not come in and she was so mad that she boiled like pot after pot after pot after pot of water and poured it over his roses. <laughs> and just like, so I mean, just like mad respect for this woman who just like boiled all of these pots of water over like a f- campfire <laughs> and, and then lugged that bucket out to the rose garden and was like, like you have to really, you want to feel that anger. <laughs> to do yep. something like that so like mad yep. fucking respect to madame lavoisier yeah i like that that takes a lot of um endurance, both physically <laughs> and just like <laughs> emotionally yeah 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 <laughs> any yes. other questions all right i'm doing it i'm moving on okay. to the game cool All right, so I'm going to read you some little factoids and quotes, and you have to decide if it's true or if it's balderdash. Um, And you guys uh, in the live stream, you can help out Anna and Rebecca by putting your answers into the chat. Um, We're going to need it. Some of these. Is this a competition? I swear some of these aren't real. Some of these are made up, and it's going to be real hard considering it's been a free game of what men can say about women's bodies from the beginning of time. I have a question first before we begin. Yes, ma'am. Is this a competition between me and Rebecca? And if I win, what do I win? (laughs) I'm coming to see you in two days. You've already won. If you don't win, I'm not You're coming. Not coming. <laughs> I'm canceling my flight, I'm and canceling. I'm not coming to see you on Friday. No, <laughs> Rebecca, you have to throw this one. <laughs> Wait, but is it a is it a competition though? Because if so, yeah, who are the get, people like, in points? the comments helping? Yeah. Ooh, is that this could get ugly? It is a competition <laughs> against me, the game master. 
all okay. of you so against Rebecca me. and I. So do we, Rebecca and I have to like come to a consensus and then we get a, an answer together? Sure. And you can, these people can help you. Excellent. Cool. These people. These people. <laughs> you, you people can help them. You people. Phone a friend. Yes. This out is, there yes, on the internet. exactly. Phone a friend is the option and the only one. Yeah. All right. Cool. All right. Let's do it. So the first one is, was sent in by uh, Misha Griffith. Women has have less teeth. <laughs> this is uh, going to be so oh, hard. Oh, I have. I mean. I feel like I've heard that. I mean, I know there's the whole, you know, obviously there's the whole thing about, uh, like, men having one less rib or whatever thing, Adam, blah, blah, blah. Um, Women have I know. one less rib because God, yes. I went to Jesus school. I was going to say, <laughs> someone who was not raised, Adam. someone who was not raised a godless heathen needs to correct my Bible knowledge. Um, but like, I don't, oh, we, we've got a, we've, we've got, got a got vote a, for false. We've got a phone for friend. We've got a false. Anybody else? Wait, so we're, just to be clear, what we are ascertaining here is whether or not this is like a thing someone has said. Not whether or not it is true that women have. <laughs> yeah. Right, yeah, 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 yes, yes, yes. So okay. this is something that wanna... somebody has actually said that we have documentation of, or if it's balderdash, we made this up. I'm gonna say this one is real. I'm gonna want to say they're all real. I feel like I heard this when I was a kid. I don't know. Rebecca, what do you I would, like, I can, I can 100% believe that... People like it seems it's. I am inclined to so no me overthinking teeth. it. I had home. This is me overthinking it potentially. <laughs> We're never gonna get. But I feel like it is so. It feels like such a normal thing that someone would say that I think it is not a thing that someone said. Okay, so what are you? What's your consensus? <laughs> We do not agree. You do not there agree. There is no consensus. All yeah. right. I said it's real. Rebecca said it's not. Okay. It is Nathan real. Nathan said it has been said. It is real. It up. has been said. And it has oh. been said by Aristotle. <laughs> oh. Of course. Which, like, just okay, wait, open your mouth. What you <laughs> Seriously. One, two, three, four. Anyway, yes. This so one much was of said. Step- and it was said by Aristotle, yet another one of the Western world's fathers. Yep. Yep. This world's greatest hits. <laughs> the next one is Canadian scientists initially cautioned women against watching more than an hour of color television per day, believing women's optical nerves could not handle the shift away from black and white broadcasts as well as men. <laughs> Have to help out Anna and Rebecca here. <laughs> Seriously, I am. I am le- now. Now I'm. I'm leading towards true now. But this is kind of your time period, Anna. <laughs> I, I don't study Canada. I don't know. <laughs> I also feel like I'm like trying to like meta game this and be like, what would KJ make up? 
I'm gonna say this one's made up. Okay, we've got. Oh, I'm gonna say KJ. We've made got this a up. vote for truth in the live chat. Rebecca, what do you think? Okay, I think I'm like we're gonna again split the vote. Uh, so I'm gonna say this one is true. Um, this one is actually Balderdash. <laughs> It well, if this real, was though. a competition, Anna it would be winning. It all sounds real. That's the problem. <laughs> exactly. Mm-hmm. <laughs> all right. Said Canada doesn't, doesn't exist. <laughs> and that's true. Yeah. All right. The next one. Uh, ancient Greek philosophers believed women always had their humors in imbalance and as such could not be trusted with serious decision making as their uncontrolled yellow bile and spleen would lead to rash and vengeful choices. <laughs> Is this one of those where it's like, you have to say which part of it's not true? Is it like a different humor than yellow bile and spleen? No, it's not. I know it's not that complicated. It's like, you got to okay. take the whole thing in. in. Okay. Yeah. I got to say, I love rash and vengeful choices. And I think that that is a good reason to give women power. Um, but that's rash just and vengeful choices is the first album. Of Canada doesn't exist. In places. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Um, I think this one is balderdash because I like. I think it's I think it's true, but I really think it's like it's different. Okay. You know what I mean? (laughs) No, I kind of I kind of know what you mean. I think I am going to agree with you on this one that it is balderdash, and also we have some votes. Uh, well, we have some split votes. Um. Something I learned in nineteen ninety three. All right, this one, this one is Balderdash. Yes. Good cool. job. Yes. But it does sound like something ancient Greeks would say. Yeah. Yeah. Um, okay, next one. Old women begin to resemble men and as such represent an advance in the female gender. <laughs> I, oh, this one's tricky because I want to say it's Balderdash because uh, men would never say that women were advancing in any way. <laughs> Yeah, I was, I was almost going to agree with it, especially based on our menopause episode and all the weirdness about like women are no longer women once uh, they enter menopause. Um, but that would not be seen as an advance. So I'm yeah. gonna say false as well. Yeah, this one is real. <laughs> oh man! So this one comes from Johns Hopkins, and it's that Johns Hopkins. Oh. <laughs> Who wrote in the Cyclopedia of Anatomy and Physiology that the female, failing to develop into the full characteristics of the race, which meant a beard, because men were the race, so a beard, uh, was Uh an arrested male. For the human race, then, possession of a beard must be regarded as a general characteristic of our race. When a female, from disease, mutilation, or old age, assumes resemblance to the male... The change is in advance. Wait, wait. So it's not even what? just that women. It's specifically because women are more likely to grow hair on their face as they get older. As they get older. Yep. But so it's an advance for women if they have some kind of disease that causes this to happen. Yeah, because now they look like men. So the bearded lady from. <laughs> The freak shows of old was actually, you know, considered an advancement. (laughs) 
Yep. <clears throat> uh, and that was, like I said, that Johns Hopkins. Um, next scholars of, of modern medicine. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, so the next one is early modern surgeons believes that periodic bloodletting would expand a woman's childbearing bearing period, leading many noble women to undertake annual, quote, lettings for the bloom. Lettings for the bloom is the other Are you are you Googling that? No, no, I'm writing I'm writing down album names for my cool band. Oh, okay. Weddings for the Bloom? That's fucking rad. Wait, okay. the Bloom or the Womb? The Bloom. Oh, like a flower. Okay, because the blooming of... Weddings of the Bloom. Got it. <laughs> Thank you for making that gesture. Um, God, I feel, I feel like early modern doctors wanted any reason to bleed people. Um... So, yeah, I, uh, I'm going to go with really true. Sure. That's a real one. It's Balderdash. Uh, I just want to say, so did KJ, KJ come up with lettings for the blue? Yeah, so KJ came up oh. with all the Balderdash ones, and I found the true ones. And, uh, yeah, they did an amazing job. <laughs> oh, my God. That's so good. So the next one, mm. physicians warned, quote, any spasmodic convulsion during sex. Uh, I'm oh, sorry, warned against, quote, any spasmodic convulsion during sex because it would interfere with conception. So basically women should not move around during sex because it will interfere with. So oh, basically well, that's good, good old missionary style. And then put your feet up on a pillow afterwards so it don't come out. <laughs> Can I get a yeehaw? Yeehaw! That's real. <laughs> Rebecca, what do you think? No! <laughs> Rebecca! <laughs> oh no, what have we done? <laughs> Alright, what do you think, Anna? I think it's real. Yeah, that it is. it is real. So this is... So yes, hygiene manuals stated that more cultured women, the the more uh, is the sensual refined in her nature. Um, oh, so the dead, the dead or the fish, the dead or the fish, um, <laughs> warned against any spasmodic convulsion on a woman's part during intercourse, lest it interfere with conception. No, the question was too hard. <laughs> <laughs> So to catch you up, that one was true. Okay, I didn't even I didn't even hear what it was. I cut out just as you were saying. Oh, Um, women need to be dead fish in sex, or else they're not going to have babies. Oh yeah, of course. Yeah. Um. (laughs) All right, the next one: sensing the dangers of letting women participate in the automotive age, physicians encourage women to consume phosphate water spiked with bourbon or rye before getting behind the wheel in order to, quote, quell the feminine nerves. This one's Balderdash. Rebecca? It's really good, though. Yeah, I know. Uh, yeah, that one's Balderdash. <laughs> it's 
so good though. It's so that good. is good. Waters. Damn. Because <laughs> <laughs> it's not just water; it's phosphate water. Like it could be re- again. All these. Yeah, could that be real. sounds right. Yeah, that's so good. All right, so this is the last one. Concerned that microwaves would cause sterility, a group of American scientists in 1970s advised women to wear special laboratory-grade aprons when reheating leftovers in the new kitchen gadgets. I've never heard this, but I just keep thinking about that um, scene in... What's that movie with Jennifer Lawrence where she yells at the microwave? The science oven. I don't know. The science oven. I don't know. We've got to vote for true. (sighs) Whiskey and phosphate water sounds like (laughs) I'm here for COVID. (laughs) It was in this house. You put that shit in a neti pot, rinse it around in there. You're not going to get the rota. Don't worry. Um, Um, I mean, I... I I was just going to say, again, because this is even more like Anna's wheelhouse, and if she hasn't heard of it. um, I also feel like at this time period, everyone is like, people are very unconcerned about the side effects of various kinds of (laughs) um, uh, chemical and like... Stuff. That's Um, true. and, And therefore... I mean, they weren't concerned about people who were testing nuclear bombs, for God's sake. <laughs> so, yeah. All right, so what are we going with? Balderdash? I'm going to go Balderdash, too. It's Balderdash. <laughs> Woo! <laughs> Ooh, that was fun. Oh, my that God. That was Thank good. You, KJ, for doing such a good job on that. Yeah, yeah. KJ did a yeah. great job on that. Um, and, you know, we're ending a little early, because you guys didn't have questions for us, but you know, that's fine. So this is your that's fault. <laughs> you don't want to know about us? Uh, <laughs> Last chance. Last chance. But no, this was super fun. And um, thank you guys for, for joining us. And if we do this again in the future, we hope that all of you will come back. Um, but yeah, this was, this was super fun. Thanks everybody for joining and uh, good night. Thank you. And don't don't forget, go to uh, patreon.com slash ladyscience and pledge. Finger guns oh, with you. blood. <laughs> 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 <laughs>